You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today's sermon, Warrior Diets for the Pragmatic and Profane. I warn, there is some uh, less than savory language here. If you're of delicate oral constitution, oral is an A-U-R-A-L, uh, I, would, uh, I would hold back a little bit on this one. But uh, if you don't mind language, because, you know, sticks and stones and all that noise, I think there's a lot here to dig into. Now, this one is probably best, can, today's entry is best consumed, if you've already listened to or read our, on our topic, the one called the episode called The Empirical Fighter, Rules for the Serious Combatant, where we talked a teeny bit about diet. That's useful there. Um, this is also was because we're getting ready to roll out our unleaded conditioning series. And one of the things that always comes along, nutrition, Mark, nutrition. What do you eat? What do you eat? Ate a lot of dessert. That's what I eat. That's for sure. There are only two things in my entire diet that I eliminated. And uh, again, that's privy to the black box crew. So another day, but trust me, it's probably not even what you're thinking of. But let's go ahead and delve into this warrior diet thing. And if you're listening along this so far, I'll let you know when the bad language is coming up because there's still some meaty information in here. And if you get to the point where you go, mm, my ears are a little delicate, I'll let you know when that's coming up. So let's get going here. As far as diets go, what are you? Are you paleo? Vegetarian? If so, you lacto-ovo? Is the zone still a thing? What about Atkins and food skills, calorie counting, meal timing, six scheduled meals per day for maximum nutrient absorption, perhaps? You do that? How about organic? Are you grass-fed, local source, gluten-free, all-natural, unbleached, decreased sodium, or zero trans-fat protein shake supplement popper, steroid user, low testosterone augmenter? If you said yes to any of these, likely you are A, concerned with weight control, or B, concerned with the increasing impurities or industrialized diet, or C, concerned that turning our backs on how we used to eat is anathema to health and performance, or D, concerned that environmental toxins uh, decrease the normal hormonal production of our bodies, or E, any combination of the above. Whether an athlete or the standard Jack or Jill on the street, many us give a lot of thought to what we put into our bodies. We are convinced that if we get the right octane of food composition or proportion, the weight will come off and or the performance will go through the roof. Now, if you're listening to this, I presume you want yet more advice on how to tweak your current intake to gain these vaunted results. Okay, so let's get to that. Just what did the old-timers consume to get legendary results pre-steroids? Because, you know, we're, we're minusing drugs out of this. Uh, we want to know what the average person did or what the species did forever until uh, uh, Big Pharma jumped into the game. What did the hosses who settled the rugged mountains, tamed cascading rivers, braved dense forest, eat to perform with such dogged vigor? Well, the historical record tells us they ate what was available, when it was available, and kept right on chugging. Not one camelback water pack in Lewis and Clark's core discovery. Not one protein shake for the unflagging Apache warrior. Not one gluten-free tortilla for a Tarahumara runner. Not one tub of creatine on the Oregon Trail. No steady supply of uh, steroids in a Union Pacific hill on Will's Town. Here's one noted non-steroid user who seemed to have had no issues with body fat or muscle growth in the subject of diet. This is from uh, Mr. Eugene Sandow. Uh, just uh, pull up any photo of Mr. Sandow and you, you're going to see, yeah, he seems to have done all right. This is from his book, System of Physical Training. Quote, 
I am myself no believer in a special diet, still less in a rigid one. As necessary while training, the old nonsense on this subject about raw eggs and underdone meat seems to be passing away, and more rational views now prevail. I eat whatever I have a taste for without stinting myself unduly, nor do I restrict myself seriously in what I drink. Commonly, I abjure anything intoxicating, confining myself mostly to beer and light wines, tea and coffee. I never suffer to touch my lips. All I impose upon my my appetite is they shall be temperately indulged, unquote. All right, so the man who spawns the modern era of bodybuilding, who was in turn inspired by the Greek ideal he saw in statuary, sees no special mojo in diet, except tea and coffee. Uh, I drink that all the time myself, but anyway... Well, he does think overindulgence is an issue. Uh, he goes on to say, quote, What has struck me in the case of American living is its generousness, a quality which, however good in its way, is not always wise in itself or fairly dealt with by those who are permitted to minister to it. In matters of the table, the popular habit appears to be to get the best that money can buy and have lots of it, unquote. So, According to Mr. Sandow, quantity is the main issue here, as in too much quantity consumed and not enough quantity in expelled activity. To be indulgent to the restrictive side of the dietary arguments, Mr. Sandow in the same work offers his preference for wholesome foods. And you might be thinking, ha, Mark, got you see, even Sandow says wholesome foods. Yeah, all right, so that's why I go uh, all into the, uh, my stuff costs more at the supermarket, because I'm really picky. Well, Mr. Sandow does indeed say that. He does say wholesome, but let's place wholesome in context. Mr. Sandow was writing and exhibiting himself in the late 1800s to early 1900s. Wholesome then was not our wholesome now. Consider Upton Sinclair's 1906 novel, The Jungle, which was kind of a journalistic expose, which sought to expose the working conditions of those who labored in the slaughterhouses and meatpacking industries. The novel hit the mark a wee bit with workers, but most readers were appalled at the details of how what they consumed was handled. Okay, we got another quote here, and this is still not the profane one yet. Uh, it could be disturbing if you, if you like meat. I do. Uh, here's the quote from the novel from Mr. Sinclair. All day long, the blazing midsummer sun beat down upon that square mile of abominations, upon tens of thousands of cattle crowded into pens, whose wooden floors stank and steamed contagion, upon bare, blistering, cinder-strewn railroad tracks and huge blocks of dingy meat factories whose labyrinthine passages defied a breath of fresh air to penetrate them, and there were not merely rivers of hot blood and carloads of moist flesh and rendering vats and soap cauldrons, glue factories and fertilizing tanks that smelt like the craters of hell— there were also tons of garbage festering in the sun and the greasy laundry of the workers hung out to dry and dining rooms littered with food and black with flies and toilet rooms that were open sewers, unquote. Yikes. I mean, passages such as these spurred improvements in how food was processed and delivered. People were outraged. These changes were not wrought overnight, though, and even when implemented, the improvements were nowhere near the level of sanitized deliciousness that we enjoy today. I mean, this is just... The any improvement over that, which it is minor. I mean, what we have now is would be sterilized food in comparison. Also, pay attention to that timeline. Sinclair's novel appears in the scene in 1906. Mr. Sandow built that heroic physique sans drugs, so no drugs, pre wholesome regulations, and again, wholesome for that time. So clearly, magnificence can be built on what we would now consider far below par. I mean, far, far below par. We could continue on with this train of thought. There's a publication called The Food Defect Action Levels, Levels of Natural or Unavoidable Defects in Foods that Present No Healthy Hazards for Humans. That's the complete title. That's published by the USDA. If you look through that, uh, it's just basically a trade public publication letting you know, all right, uh, this much feces in food is okay. Uh, I'm not kidding about that. Uh, we could delve further into it. The food industries call filth indexes, F-I-L, 
TH, filth, filth indexes, which again lets you know specifically which uh, the allowable limit of insect parts, rodent hair, and mammalian feces they're permitted in food items. There is indeed certain amounts of uh, feces, hair, cockroach legs, and such that are in there. You had a fig newton, you had some canned food or whatever, frozen food. These things, there's insects part. There's, these things are in there. I, I, I promise you that. Yuck, right? Sure. But if you've eaten food, you have consumed all of the above. And guess what? You're still here. The message is the purity and quality of food has been improving exponentially since Sandow's day. And yet we still lament it. Well, how much the food and environment is affecting our bodies. All right. I will now turn the stage over to a lengthy, very lengthy, well, it's, we'll call it a rant from uh, Paul Wade on the topic. This is from his uh, book, CMAS. Now, I, I warned the delicate uh, that this is where the profane comes in. I mean, this is well-used profanity, though, so I'm not going to excise it. It needs to be in here because it's true to the passage and uh, it's true to the emotional content. And keep in mind, he's primarily discussing the modern testosterone myth, but this holds true for all foods and the purity concerns. So here we go. Mr. Wade talking here with my voice. Quote, before I finish, I want to take on one increasingly popular defense for steroids and TRT, which is testosterone replacement therapy. This argument goes as follows. Modern men live in a world full of environmental pollutants and toxins and are forced to eat food which has been stripped of its nutrition due to industrial agriculture and food processing. Processing. For these reasons, it's impossible for the average man today to possess normal levels of testosterone like previous generations of males did. Guess what I say to this? It's flat-out nonsense. In fact, it stinks worse than hobo's cock cheese. If uh, athletes choose to take steroids, that's their business. But this argument is totally full of shit. It's a justification many athletes have jumped all over. And though, though, and as a result, I'm sure you've heard this horse shit somewhere. Even athletes who consider themselves old school or Spartan admit to using testosterone because they have bought into this shit. These weak-willed pricks wouldn't know old school if it kicked them in the ass. For what it's worth, I got no doubt that as time goes by, male testosterone levels are dropping. No doubt at all. In fact, I think the current generation is pretty much testosterone starved. I just have to walk the streets and see these lazy ass Xbox playing metrosexual Justin Bieber looking motherfuckers strutting all over to realize that. My problem is not the suggestion that men have lower test levels than their forefathers did. My problem is with the theory as to why. We continue on, Mr. Mr. Wade. Think about this. Our ancestors worked hard manual labor jobs with their hands. They got the equivalent of a tough workout every damn day. These days, more and more guys let machines do the work or they sit behind desks. That's why their bodies aren't producing enough testosterone. This is exactly why men have less testosterone these days. It's got jack shit to do with this limp green bullshit that the environment is all fucked up and full of toxins and pollutants. For those of you concerned with modern toxins, I say this. Don't be such a fucking pussy. Jesus, cowering in the corner, quivering over every little chemical in the air in the food chain. No wonder your testosterone is low. You'll be braiding your fucking hair with pink ribbons next, you friggin' cream puff. Newsflash, Kermit, there have always been toxins in the air, in the food we eat, the water we drink. Christ, when life first flourished, the planet was a seething volcanic chaos of poison gases like ammonia and methane. Times have been rough and tough for life on Earth since day one. That's what makes us evolve. Modern fitness writers jaw on and on about the healthy paleo lifestyle as if we're some kind of toxin-free paradise. But if you actually 
actually ask an archaeologist, they'll tell you this is just bullshit. Lungs of mummified bodies from the Paleolithic era are typically black. It's because many of our ancestors lived in caves choked with smoke and soot from constant fires, kept going for cooking, warmth, and to keep away pests and predators. Our ancient ancestors were victims to all kinds of pollution. A surprising number of early humans have been found who died from lead poisoning, for example. If there was a seam of exposed lead in the pond you drank from, well, that was it. You was pushing up flowers, and you're telling me today's environment is too polluted for us to match these hairy dead bastards? We continue with Mr. Wade. Folks also argue that our modern food is too contaminated with toxins to allow us to get the nutrition we need to make the right hormones. It's true that in the past our forerunners had more natural food when they can get any food, and they weren't force-fed synthetic high-carb foods all day. But if you reckon food back in the day was somehow perfect, you are not in possession of the facts, my man. Much of the food consumed by bodybuilders and strongmen of the Golden Age 100 years or more ago would not pass FDA approval today. In fact, it would be legal. In Victorian England, bakers added alum, aluminum, poison to bread as a preservative. To hide the stench when milk went rancid, dairy farmers often poured generous amounts of boracic acid into their product. Highly toxic carbolic acid was added to almost all soap. Food was stored in lead cans. Gas lighting gave off choking sulfuric vapors, and practically every building had lethal asbestos. Yet the men who ate this food and lived in this environment thrived and achieved things which the modern generation wouldn't even attempt without help from a pill or syringe. Mr. Wade continues more. It makes me laugh when modern writers go on and on about how industrial-level food production has left us with a devastating lack of nutrition in modern food, as if our ancestors somehow all had these fantasy diets. My ass. These writers don't seem to realize that before the last century, yeah, before the Industrial Revolution made food cheaper and more plentiful, one of the most common causes of death in our species was malnutrition. Huge swaths of the population struggled to get enough quality food in their diets to make their brains, hearts, and lungs work yet another day, let alone grow 18-inch arms. It's still the same in much of the world right now. We are one of the first generations of our entire species, of any species ever, to have such ready access to virtually limitless amounts of quality, nutrient-dense food. That's why everyone is so fucking fat. Our caveman DNA still can't quite believe we've done it. True malnutrition in the first world is so rare today as to be virtually unheard of. So stop wringing your hands, worrying if you're getting enough nutrients, eat a steak, have a Coke and a smile, and shut the fuck up. End of quote. And to that passage, I gotta say, bravo, Uh, In short, eat well, live well, work hard, work smart, and leave the superstition out of the kitchen. Kitchens like bedrooms are made for pleasure and leisure, not worry and hand-wringing. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages if you like music. Music.